So I want to talk about the secret place. And there are three profound teachings in my life. One of them being communion, the other being the fear of the Lord, and the other is the secret place. These are the ones that have been so profound in my life. These are studies that have dug deep in just because I wanted to know. I wanted to know for myself. Pastor is good at what he does, but I need to know for myself. And he will tell you the same. You got to know the word for yourself. You got to allow it to fill you and shape you and hold you. So the secret place is where we are fathered as a son and daughter, revealing your identity, birthing authority, and obedience. This is what the secret place does to us. There are two opposing forces that I deal with. Might be the same for you. Satan and self. These are the two opposing forces in my life that they do not want me to go into the secret place. There are issues that might spring up and I just might feel weary to not go into the secret place. But it's, 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 you will see in Matthew 6 that it's a commandment. So I'm going to speak on, obviously, the secret place, but I'm going to go into Ephesians 1. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, 19 through 23. You don't have to quite turn there, but please, for my note takers, write it down. Because I, I picked the Passion Translation. The reason why I picked the Passion Translation is because it's so poetic and it keeps the integrity of the scripture. So it doesn't steer off and give you some wild lettering or whatever the case is. But in Ephesians 1, this is going to talk about the position of Jesus our position, and the position of Satan. And it says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, above every authority, every government and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church, not your pastor. He is the source. He is the leader for the church. And he alone is the leader. I'm going to read it again. He alone is the leader and source of, of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, say we. His church, which are his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. So that speaks of the authority 
that Christ has and Christ being the head of the church, us being the body, his hands and feet. Therefore, the authority has been given to us and Satan and all the principalities, governments and realms have been placed under whose feet? Our feet. So now pertaining to self. Galatians 6, 8, again, Passion Translation, Galatians 6, 8. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seed of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seed of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruit that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. Romans 8, 5 through 8, and we were in Romans 8 last week. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Those who live as their human nature tells them to has their mind controlled by what the human nature wants. Those who live as the spirit tells them to has their mind controlled by what the spirit wants. To be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. We all need peace. We all want peace. We're all seeking for peace, right? And so people become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature. For they do not obey God's law. In fact, they cannot obey God's law. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. So we see that as you commune with the Lord, you sit with the Lord, you be a Mary and not a Martha. When life gets busy, Wipe it away. Just sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. In this place, he shapes you, molds you into his very image. And as you sow into the spirit, you reap things of the spirit. There are two things I am intentional on, and I'm speaking on self. There are two things I'm intentional on when I come into the secret place. Is vulnerability through transparency and intimacy through communion. Vulnerability through transparency and intimacy through communion. I come with expectancy. I come to expect to hear from my father, expect to be filled, expect to be equipped. And for the young ones, let your parents know what you're about to do, where you're about to enter into. Let them know, mom, dad, grandma, guardian, whoever it is, give them a heads up. Hey, I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. Give me about 15 minutes, mom. Give me about 10 minutes. And don't let us catch you on social media. Spend that time with him. Whether it's in the car, turn the car on, turn the AC on. Mom, grandma, they, they don't care about the gas money. You're spending time with Jesus. That's the most important thing. So let people know. In this place, I begin to thank him, praise and worship him. Because I come into the throne room with thanksgiving. Praise him, worship him, thank him for all he has done. Thank you for what he's about to do. And just thank you for how, how good he is because I don't deserve it. I have a quote on my mirror and it says, be grateful because you don't deserve anything that comes from heaven because only good things come from heaven. And we see that in the book of James, only good things come from heaven. So that tells me, be humble. Be grateful. Be grateful that you still have a moment with your kids, even though you're tired from working 10-hour shifts. Be grateful that you still have a wife that hasn't left you because you've been hard-headed. Thank you for being still being a, a worker at VVWRA because you have caused some stuff. Yes, I have. 
because I stand for truth. No matter who it's for or who it's against, I will stand for truth, especially if it's at my work. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if they tell me to stop uh, talking about Jesus. Fire me. Let me go. Throw away the key. <laughs> so in this place, get into his word. This is the manna. This is the food. This is how we eat. The spirit man eats. Get into his word. And don't just read the word for head knowledge. Get into the word with him. And not for a head change, but for a heart change. That's how you get into the word. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. This is, this is what the spirit man needs. This is what the spirit man wants. And if you ever felt dry in the season, it might be because you might not be spending too much time in the word. Get in the word. What is he saying to you? In Psalms 119, verse 11. Psalms 119, verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Store up my word is also translated to treasure. I have treasured your heart. The way pastor is with the baby and Aelia right now, he treasures that. So what is he doing? He's protecting. He's elbowing cards out the way. Little mini Hulk over here. You know, so he's, he's protecting. He's treasuring. Right? That's what we do with the word. You protect it. Let that word come first. Because what did Jesus use in the wilderness to fend off Satan? He used the word. The word equips. The word corrects. It's alive and it is active. It's food for the spirit man. It's the staff to the sheep. A lamp to the feet a rod to the heart of stone, a staff to the sea. So the word will prepare a way for you. It will guide you. It will correct you. And it will show you who you truly are. Ultimately, the word will reveal Jesus. It reveals who we are. It reveals who we're not. It reveals who we ought to be. It builds our house on a solid rock. This is what the word does. When I think of the word, I think of these little pebbles and grains and rocks, right? And as you bring all these things together, living water comes pouring onto it. And we all know how cement is made. You got to add water in order for it to compact and create a solid foundation. This is how I look at the word. Every rock, every pebble, every grain that was placed within me Rivers of living water will come out of me as a river of living water pours onto me. And it creates this solid foundation where when, when stuff happens, when you get the praise report, got a baby, or you got to move, it's all right. He has a solid foundation. And we have seen this from time to time. In Matthew 6, verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. And this is the command that I was talking about earlier. But you, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, it's not a suggestion. It's saying, hey, shut that door. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you 
openly. When I see pray into your father who is in the secret place, that tells me that he is in Haiti. He's already there. He is waiting to meet with us. It's a divine appointment. He is never late. He's always on time. Matter of fact, he's early. He's there. He's excited. Shut the door means to shut the door of distraction. When you go into your prayer closet, I took this from Pastor. My phone's on do not disturb. Only two contacts could come through my phone, my wife and my kid's school. So when do not disturb is on, only a certain select few could reach me while I'm spending time with the Father. And that's very important. If you guys don't know how to do that, get with Vinny. He'll show you how to, how to do the do not disturb thing. We'll get an SOP, a standard operating procedure, printed out for you. So by this, we grab a hold of that confidence. We grab a hold of that boldness. Is this all making sense? It's all making sense? In Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, and I'm going to read that real quick. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And we're going to touch a little bit on boldness and confidence. Everyone there? It says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, which is also translated to confidence, into the throne of grace, the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He sympathizes with us in our weakness, when we fall short, when we sin, when things take place where we act out how we shouldn't act out. He sympathizes with that. And he said, hey, come with confidence into my throne room. Come with the boldness, knowing that you will hear from me, and I will hear from you. Boldness is translated to parasia, and it says freedom to speak, fearless and unreserved speech, cheerful courage and assurance. So this is what we come into. This is what we're masked with when we come into the throne room of grace. Fearless that I just talk to you. On reserve, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to let you know what I'm going through, God. You already know what I'm going through. He already knows what you did. He already knows what you're good to do. Come into this place of God. Can I obtain your mercy? Can I obtain your grace? And this is being vulnerable with him. And we see that with that boldness and with that confidence, it only comes from Jesus. Because we see in Acts 4.13, Deborah, Acts 4.13, and we're going to see what the confidence and the boldness 
that they carried. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. There's this quote that I kind of developed. I kind of tweaked a little bit. It was from someone else, and, and it, it just didn't feel right. I, I, I understood what he was coming from, but it, it goes by spiritual maturity doesn't come by the passing of years, but by the quality of time that is spent with the Father. That's how I feel that my spiritual maturity has grown is because of the quality time of just sitting at his feet, allowing his word to correct me, equip me. That's, that's how I've, I felt uh, in regards of that quote. So that's why I tweaked it a little bit. Now for uh, vulnerability through transparency. It's simply having a heart that is quick to repent and desire change. These are the two things I, I, I have in mind is, okay, I'm, I'm also going to be, you know, transparent. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to commune with the Lord. I'm going to be intimate with the Lord. And I'm going to repent quick. I'm not going to hold it off. I'll repent tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. Quick repentance and desiring change. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I forgot what translation I picked. But if you want, you can just listen. Write it down for yourself. Trust but verify is what we say at work. It's you're pretty much masking that I really don't trust you. So trust but verify. Don't take don't take my word for it. You know, study it yourself. Go, you know, if God is telling you questions right now, is he putting questions in your head? Write it down. Write it down. And when you go into that secret place, pursue him on that. God, what did you mean by this? What did you mean by that? Why does this scripture say this? Why does this scripture confirm that? Like, spend that time, and, and I don't want to say challenge him, but challenge him. And just really, like, just come wholeheartedly. Just wholeheartedly. So First John 2, 1 through 2, it says, I am writing this to you, my children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. And not, not our sins only, but the sins for everyone. When I think of repentance, I think of it just being wrapped in Jesus. That's what I think of repentance. And we see in Psalms 51, 1 through 10, you don't have to turn there, but please jot it down. David simply says this in Psalms 51. This is him being transparent. This is him being vulnerable. This is him recognizing 
It says, be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean from my sin. This is the key. I recognize my faults. I am always conscious of my sins. I have sinned against you and only against you. So when you think you did something wrong against somebody, you're hurting the father. When you did something wrong to yourself, you're hurting the father. You're not sinning against anyone else but the father. I have sinned against you and only against you. And I've done what you considered evil. So you are right in judging me and you are justified in condemning me. I have been evil from the day I was born, from the time I was conceived. I have been sinful. Sincerity and truth are what you require. Fill my mind with your wisdom. Remove my sin. And this is a declaration. Remove my sin and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be white. Let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. And though you have crushed me and broken me, I will be happy once again. Close your eyes to my sins and wipe out all my evil. Create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit within me. That was the heart of David. He was being vulnerable. He was being transparent. And he was recognizing his evil ways. The Bible says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. Not only does this pertain to our born-again experience, but this also pertains to when we push them out. When we, when we give into sin, when we, when, we do, when we do things not with him, and we do things against him. So by our actions, we push him back out of the house. So he continues to stand at that door, and he knocks. Now, does it, it doesn't just pertain to our born-again experience, but this is when we push him out. This is when we say, I got it. I don't need you today. Repentance is dying to ourselves. Denying our house, which is self. Opening that door, looking onto Jesus, who is the one that is worthy of it all. That is repentance. Allowing him in. Okay, I'm going to open that door. I'm going to allow you in. To make you his home. To make me your home, a partnership that is woven in love, communion that is most satisfying, creating me a clean heart, make things new, renovate, renew. This is repentance, allowing him back in. Repentance means to turn the other way. Jesus is the opposite to sin. Sin is death. Jesus is life. So when we give attention to anything other than Jesus, it's sin. And we neglect Jesus. We're not doing it with him. Like I could go to job with Jesus, but I could go to job without Jesus. So when we give attention to anything other than Jesus, it's sin. Repentance is turning from sin and gazing upon Jesus once again. There is sin in our house. Jesus is on the outside. Dying to get in, hence he died to come in. Remove the old, make things new. 
Repentance is a beautiful thing. Conviction is a beautiful thing. Correction is a beautiful thing. If he did not love us, if he didn't love me, he wouldn't convict me. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't give me the gift of repentance. We won't realize that repentance is a gift until it's too late and it's taken away. What I'm trying to say is that it's beautiful. As a, as a newborn, a new believer, repentance scared me, conviction scared me, and the fear of the Lord scared me. I didn't know it was a reverential fear. I didn't know it was an opportunity to jump back into his lap an opportunity to open that door, allow him back in, standing face to face. When I think of repentance, I think of my back towards the front door of the house. And I'm in the inside, and I'm trying to get things in order and trying to fix things. Pipes breaking, you know, walls are leaking, uh, wind, and everything's taking place in the house. And once I get this thing fixed and in order, over here to fix this and that thing just broke again so I'm, I'm going crazy I'm trying to do it on my own and there's this moment where you just stand still you give up and you still hear that knock and it's a still knock and this is what repentance looks like going to that door right turning around opening that door seeing Jesus and you lock eyes with him and there's no condemnation. There's no whip. There's no, there's nothing that that's going to hurt you, but you see love and you feel love and you feel that you are accepted. That very moment he gives you a hug, everything changes. The very second that he steps, he doesn't have to have two feet in the house. The second that he steps, everything in the house changes. Everything comes new. That's how I think of repentance. It's an opportunity to jump back into the Father's lap. You guys can stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to the Lord. I want us to pray Psalms 51, 1 through 10. This is going to be our prayer uh, for today. I'm going to read it. You guys just repeat after me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's for your love and kindness that leads us to repentance, God knowing that you are so good and we are so unworthy, so undeserving, yet you still pursue us. You still love on us. Even though when your children don't even know how to act, you still love us. Even when we mistreat you and misrepresent you, you still love us. So in those moments, God, correct us, rebuke us, Remind us who we are called to be and not be. So Psalms 51, 1 through 10 says, be merciful to me. 
Oh God, because of your constant love, because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean from my sin. I recognize my faults. I am always conscious of my sins. I have sinned against you and only you and done what you consider evil. So you are right in judging me. You are justified in condemning me. I have been evil from the day I was born, from the time I was conceived. I have been sinful. Sincerity and truth are what you require. Fill my mind with your wisdom. Remove my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. Though you have crushed me and broken me, I will be happy once again. Close your eyes to my sins and wipe out all my evil. Create a pure heart in me, O oh God, and put a new and loyal spirit within me. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Thank you for constantly loving me. And I am open to your rebuke, to your correction. Now shape me, mold me into your child. Give me a fire that desires you and you alone. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.